everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not riding, running, or yogaing, I'm probably writing about it. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk about all different types of movement and the people who do all different types of movement. And we are back in Canada, I am happy to say. I have never been so happy to say we are back in Canada. Yeah, I think, you know, I posted on Twitter after we were, I, I guess we should back up, I should say, from my Twitter posts. We were in Spain, as some of you may know, for a lot of the winter, which is was, was really, really good until the last uh, few days there. It got a little hectic with all the virus stuff, which I'm sure everyone is well aware of at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the trip to Girona for January, February was fantastic. And then, you know, we had our, our women's gravel camp in March and heading into it, you know, there was there was zero uh, risk level, like rising or anything. Like people were still being encouraged to stick to their normal travel plans and go on their vacations and to do what they were doing. And then, yeah, a few days ago, the world kind of shifted, as most of you know, and, you know, suddenly... You know, we woke up one day to finding out that, you know, different borders are starting to close and, you know, they're just, for anyone who, who wasn't there, you know, who hasn't been following the news and stuff, it's it's actually pretty frightening being over there and realizing that a lot of the stuff isn't actually coming out in the news. Um, so, you know, we won't belabor this too much, but we were at an airport and Literally, no one knew if the airport was going to just close down. There were rumors going around about it. The information desk people were telling us, yeah, the airport's probably going to close and you won't get a flight home. Uh, but the embassies were closed on the weekend and hotels were closed. And, you know, we were at this airport just trying to figure out what to do next as the country was locking down. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna start crying if I keep talking, but just... So many thank yous to everyone who who reached out and, you know, both helped us try to like tried to find places for us to go if we were stuck in Spain and then even just, you know, checked in with us and asked if we were okay and, you know, followed our our getting home. And yeah, it's been a very, very scary and hectic couple days, but the the kindness of people has actually just amazed me. I, I think that is definitely the takeaway that I, I went as Molly dries her tears here. Um yeah, it was just, you know, despite all this, for us, I think chaos, I don't think in the scheme of the world it was that hectic, but I think for us coming from North America, it was definitely quite it's quite scary having a hotel tell you to leave and then not, you know, knowing where to go and there's a bit of a language barrier there, but, you know, at the airport, despite all the chaos and, you know, even the airport workers not knowing, you know, there's people there working around the clock uh, and we're very polite and you know, as helpful as they could be given that they knew nothing and we're just trying to get through, uh, at work. Right. And I'm, you know, all these people have jobs and stuff as well. They have, to, or sorry, families and stuff that they're worried about. So yeah. So that's, I think people were really nice and certainly anyone we know, you know, everyone's been very helpful, you know, and again, we're really not that dire on the, the scale of things. So, um, yeah, I think that's that. I think people, people are good. There's a lot of really good things in the world. Um, and it's, it's trying to find those that will be our struggle for the next little bit. Yeah. So on that note, we've we've decided, I know it's right now every podcast in your playlist is probably talking about 
coronavirus and COVID-19. And my personal favorite, all the COVID updates via email constantly from like miscellaneous companies. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to avoid right now. So what we want to do is actually focus on, you know, the stuff that we actually know about, which is training and, you know, even training in the context of what's going on. And yeah, I think so. And I think hopefully even just relevant for people, you know, some of it is relevant, you know, you get injured or the weather's really bad or something like that, right? Or just a race gets canceled for whatever reason. You can't get to a race for whatever reason. Um, so hopefully this is more, I guess, evergreen for lack of a better term in that, you know, what to do when you have to stay home and train or stay indoors and train or your big race gets canceled or plans change, right? That's sort of theme of the day. Yeah, exactly. And we'll keep going business as usual as far as, you know, adding new interviews with people and, you know, not necessarily related to current events, just, you know, doing what we do best and trying to kind of give you a, a place to come to listen to stuff that isn't just all scary news, give you something. For sure. And, and we, we, we're not going to promise anything, but we're, we're maybe here over the next couple of weeks when, you know, everyone's sort of more at home, you know, and, and sort of online, maybe we can squeeze out a few more bonus interviews with uh, a few more experts and stuff. So if there's anyone you want back on the podcast, uh, definitely feel free to, to tweet at us or, or use the contact at consummateathlete.com and we can see what we can do and sort of use your request as a, a bit of a motivator to get some of these, these, smart people on uh, on the podcast so did you want to get started with do we have an act we have a few questions that we've compiled i guess today yeah we have a few from people and then we have a few that are kind of based around a lot of the questions that peter's getting from clients lately um, so i think that the first one that's you know the most relevant is my goal race is canceled now what do i do um, and i know you know a lot of people are talking about this and the first obvious thing is just you know, recognizing that your your race was canceled. If that's your biggest problem right now, things are really good for you. Um, so kind of acknowledging that first. But, you know, it is also, it is kind of a piss off. Like it does suck if your goal race is canceled and this is the thing that you've been training for and working for. Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard. I think, you know, we both sort of tend towards the, I guess, introverted or also just like internally motivated in that like the training process is really both of our favorite thing. Yeah. Like we joke about most people train to race and we both race to train. That is like we sign up for races sort of almost to have an excuse to do a training plan. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would, I would hesitate with the most, but there's probably, there's a lot of people that like that's sort of the carrot that they're chasing. Right. And it helps motivate on some level, right. Or at least partially that, that so now you come to this dilemma of like why why keep training right like there's we've built out this plan you're planning to do some race in march april may you know in the spring and you know maybe you were even starting to build into that build phase that specific phase where we're starting to get ready for mountain biking we're excited we're going to go do mountain bike racing here in the next couple weeks you know you have your four to eight week period where it's getting specific and now it's like, well, now I don't need to be so specific because I don't even know when I'm going to have to race. Right. So it's it's this dilemma of like, what do we do? Do we stay the course? Do we go back to base? Do we, you know, sort of observe that we're going to have a lot of stress here for the next little bit and life's going to be a little disrupted and sort of go back to maintenance? Like what what do we do? Right. Yeah, I think that stress piece is a huge thing because on on one hand, yeah, like adding in more exercise, more intensity, more of that when you suddenly find yourself with more 
quote unquote free time to train um, is tempting, but we have to remember, you know, stress is all like you, you can't just keep piling on stress after stress after stress. Yeah. Flip side, uh, exercise has been shown to alleviate, you know, anxiety, depression, all of those things that, you know, currently we're going to be dealing with. Well, and I think when we call this an internal motivation too, right? Like the problem is we're both internally motivated by the exercise, but you could also call this essentially like addiction, right? Like if I don't move, you're like, your life gets really bad. This is very, <laughs> very true. Right. So like, I've always been a bit of a fidgeter and I'm fairly, I, I would say calm and I don't, you know, I'm not a super hyper person generally, but if I don't get to like, I'm sort of like a dog, I guess, in some ways, like those dogs that need to run, if they don't run, then, you know, they become bad dogs and they start, I don't know, this is sort of unraveling quickly, but I'm going to get a spray bottle is what I'm <laughs> hearing here. Yeah. I don't know if that's where I want to go with that. Anyhow, the, it's important to, to, to move in some way. Right. And I think we can be open to what that is, especially when we need to be flexible in these times. So with clients, I sort of sent there, I was starting to get, you know, and we were dealing with getting into Spain. Um, but early on, there was a lot of especially from the Canadians and North, I would say North Americans where it's no, it wasn't as obvious early that this was going to be a bit disruptive to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone was like, Oh, I'm going to be off work here for a bit or, you know, there's some sort of change to life. It seems like I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands. I'm going to train more. And I was early on, I was like, I think that there's going to be some issues here just in terms of the time we have. And that could be, you know, helping family members or, uh, just uh, as we say, sort of, there's only so much stress we can take, right? And now you and I are sort of contained in the house essentially for the next two weeks, right? So yeah, but we are contained without like dogs, without small children, right? Uh, without any of that. So I mean, a lot of people are facing, you know, kind of a lot worse if you're, even if you are just social distancing versus self isolating. If you have kids at home your free time is severely well that's what i meant i think it was that fallout of like what else are we gonna have to do or what time or constraints do we have right and again i want this to be evergreen in the sense that you know if you're off work due to a snow day or an injury or illness or you know whatever there's there's lots of different reasons we might have this again a race could be canceled what do we do then as far as this? so i think we're we're in, in this this recent topical situation um we're sort of in a maintenance mode to me more right I, i'm hesitant to say that we're going to go towards like a base general preparation as much as that's essentially what we're going to do um for a lot of people i think you know we're sort of it, it can be general but it's we're, we're we're thinking about going through the motions and maybe building a bit or, or sorry like building fitness a bit but I think especially for this first period until we get a better idea of what's going on, um, you know, you're just trying to maintain, I think. And that's that's sort of whenever life gets stressful, we're thinking more like maintenance more, more than like building. Right. We're like we're hoping that we can sort of just like keep things decent, minimum, you know, mitigate the, the loss, the damage. Yeah. And I mean, I know I, I can safely say I know how frustrating that is because I think right now. I don't know about you, Peter, but like I'm probably in the best shape I've been in in years, just thanks to a couple months of coaching training camps and a lot of hours training and everything. Um, and, you know, we we did have we were planning on racing Paris to Ancaster in a couple weeks here. 
And I was legitimately thinking like, okay, this is actually the year I might really do well in this race. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it absolutely is frustrating when you're, you're at this kind of peak fitness to realize like, oh crap, the best I can hope for is to kind of keep this ball rolling and, you know, or at least keep the ball on the same level maybe. Um, but I'm trying to kind of see it as like, as an opportunity, you know, I haven't been getting to do a lot of yoga lately, just my, my quick morning routine. So while we're in the house, I'm like, okay, I can go back to doing my actual like 30 to an hour worth of yoga every day. Um, you know, that kind of stuff hitting on, hitting on things that I just haven't had time for, or haven't made time for in, you know, the last, last while here. Um, I know a lot of people have, you know, some kind of weird little niggling injury, whether it's a shoulder that doesn't work right, or, you know, your hips not quite right. And you know, you should be doing your mobility exercises, but you just haven't had the time to do them. Now might be the chance you have to, to do those. For sure. Yeah. Working on some mobility or those therapy exercises, you know, for that shoulder, pretty much every adult has some sort of shoulder issue of some type. So uh, I know that's going to be one of my focuses here is working on shoulder and then I, my right hip's been bugging me. I think some of it's just been travel and sleeping on the floor of airports. But, um, you know, again, you're sort of this is the opportunity is that you may have some time to do that where, you know, you're around the house, whatever. Right. And if that's playing with kids, I think I always I like to say, like the kids and the dogs are the opportunity there is that you can get down on the ground and, you know, play with these things that you have around you, your, your kids, your, your dogs, right? Like they know how to play those two things. Right. And that's really a lot of this mobility and yoga and, and whatnot can be very playful and fun. And you're stacking that social time, mobility time, movement time. I tell you what, the best shape I remember being in was when I was nannying for three kids and I would legitimately just like get myself into a plank on the ground and let the kids just like, climb over me mm -hmm. just like sit on my back or like you know you're giving piggyback rides around and maybe i don't recommend doing that if you haven't been doing it lately build up to some of that stuff but honestly it was the best training i got was picking up kids and tossing them around in like a playful way yeah so there's there's that mobility like the off bike stuff you know certainly any of the i call it anywhere core but you know i'm sure you're going to be just like there'll be a ton of you know, at home yoga and Pilates and, uh, strength stuff that you can follow. I'm sure there'll be lots. I've already seen the gym here in town. Active life just had uh, a mailing go out. They had to close unfortunately, which is tough, but they actually were pretty quick with getting, there's a new, they have a Pilates video you can follow along with and, um, some sort of like strength, uh, type thing as well. That's sort of low on equipment, but a real leg burner, I believe it was called. So there's, there'll be lots of that stuff you'll see. And we're going to actually do some videos in the next couple of weeks here, some yoga, some strength. So kind of keep an eye out on our various social channels. Yeah. And I think it doesn't have to be crazy, right? Like a lot of us don't need a lot of equipment and you can get a, a pretty good quick workout, right? And again, it doesn't have to be 60 minutes, 10 minutes is great. And just try and do something each day with that, right? With what you have and progress it gradually, right? To, if it's five push-ups today or push-ups on the back of the couch, try and progress that over whatever span of time here you're, you're in this situation, whatever that is. Uh, Gemma, who was just on the podcast there a week or two ago, I'll link to that in the show notes. I have a note, so I'll remember that. 
Uh, she had a great Instagram. We both uh, restoried, which I just started using stories here oh, recently. Boy. I figured that out. <laughs> Sometimes I screw it up, but I figured it out. All I have to say, she was saying this. She's locked in Spain in her apartment, you know, riding a trainer. I think she's getting ready for a, a thousand. Yeah, a thousand kilometer. Kilometer, race. I think. Yeah. So hopefully that goes for her. But she's on a trainer and she made the point that, you know, there's things like nutrition. Again, a lot of us as adults are do have things like, you know, learn a new recipe, some of these habits, not just go on a diet, but things that we know, you know, eat more vegetables, take care of the protein you need and cook at home, eat when you're not stressed, which is increasingly harder. I understand this, but, you know, try and sit down, have a meal, have a conversation with someone, um, which is something that was great in Spain, right? In Europe still, they're very big on these like long meals outside, sitting with people, chatting, Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we can probably do with family right now, right? Like turn off the phones and get the social media turned off for a while. Um, and just, you know, sit and try and talk and it'll be a big challenge to find other things. Right. But talk about, you know, the future and planning things. And, you know, we were talking again, we've struggled because of all that's going on, but, you know, find that like home renovation or designing something or these things where we can really just engage in food and meals like, you know, it should be right. Like we, we used to do. Peter thinks he has some say in the home renovation front, but <laughs> he doesn't. Right. Well, I mean, we might need to find a different topic then. That's not quite so contentious. Uh, so all I say, we have mobility, we have some nutrition. So we're starting to think about this holistic, like athlete, holistic, uh, human, right? Like that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah. We could call this a consummate athlete approach. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you've been told like not to train, um, this is a great time to learn some meditation practices. Um, so we had Laura Wilson on probably over a month ago now, and she talks a bunch about how to get started meditating, has some really good recommendations for apps. We like Oak. She really likes insight timer. And I've been very much into that as well for guided meditations. Right. Um, so I think that's, you know, you have this great chance to do that. Um, and it's a great way to relieve stress and, you know, helps you with a habit that will help you down the line with your racing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Definitely. If you're not able to train again, illness, uh, injury, whatever, then there's, there's definitely stuff like that, that, you know, just give it a try, right? Like what are the list of things that, you know, for health longevity that we can do? And again, that's socialization, nutrition, um, you know, strength and mobility are important as we, we age certainly, right? Like if we can keep, you know, upper back, like there's so much stuff essentially just sitting on the floor or laying on the floor in different ways would help a lot of us. Right. And again, take cues from the kids and the dogs in, in that sense. Yeah. And then the one other thing I wanted to note is, you know, a lot of physical therapy and massage and everything are closed right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can actually look at that as this sort of unique opportunity because a lot of them are offering teleconferencing, like whether it's, you know, a naturopath, a physical therapist, et cetera. A lot of them are doing video conferencing now. So you could still do a physical therapy session from home, you know, on a video right. with the physical therapist. And I know Greg Lehman, I, I am definitely writing down all these links for people, but Greg Lehman's been on the podcast, one of my favorite uh, people in the world, really. He's a super interesting dude. Uh, I was telling Molly just the other day, he's the, the right combination of like swearing, 
you know, super smart, super well-educated, but then also just loves gymnastics. I think the episode we talked more about him going to like adult gymnastics and trying to do a backflip as an adult um, than we did about chronic pain, but the, he's Maybe a Maybe don't try guy. that at home while you're stuck home for Yeah, I mean, he weeks. gives some ideas of where to find some information if you still want to. But anyhow, he's got... Uh, he's offering online stuff and that's a big part of his, his model before all of this recent stuff as well. But if you are struggling with something like back pain or shoulders or something like that, he'd be a great person to connect with. So I'll put his info. And I think what I really like about that is, you know, a lot of the time we go to a physical therapist or a massage therapist or, you know, any of these people and kind of expect them to do the work for us. You know, you go to a PT and a lot of the time, like they're doing the manipulations for you massage therapist takes the onus off of you doing your foam rolling um and i mean that's that's awesome i can't wait to get get back to going to a place to get a massage right but at the same time you know this is a really valuable opportunity to actually learn how to do some of this stuff at home like of your own volition and you know actually be putting in that kind of and time and an app uh that i love and uh, another person who i love to someday have he's on our dream list but kelly Sturet and the ready state um app they have an app that has sort of mobilizations what we can call this like fancy stretching uh that that's again an app that they have that's really well done whereas if you have front of knee pain then they'll take you through like several mobilizations um sort of exercises that you can do uh, if you have back pain, like it sort of goes by sport or you can go by where the pain is or just even just maintenance and it's by time. Like it's a very, very well done app. Uh, I think they actually do a 14 day trial. So I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. I have a note for that as well. Awesome. Well, I think that was a lot I guess of ideas. The, uh, that's so off of train. And then the only other thing is I've been getting a lot of questions and have been doing and have a big chunk of work here just getting everyone rejigged. So I put together just sort of a rough generalized plan, uh, obviously more oriented towards cycling, but pretty flexible to add a bit of Zwift or, you know, online group riding. Uh, has a little bit of core and yoga and meditation links and then is, is very flexible maintenance plan for two months and it's free. Uh, so those details I'll link to the post. You can find that. I've linked to it on Twitter. A consummate athlete put it out too. So that's just hopefully help people. I know it's going to be a difficult uh, time for everyone here, both financially and time-wise and motivation. So hopefully there's some good in the world there for folks. And I appreciate any feedback and stuff on that. And if it helps, super. Awesome. And I guess last note on any any teachers who are home doing any video uh, teaching or anything, if you happen to want to do like an author Q&A or anything with either of us, you know, we're more than happy to do video conference like talks with your classes. I don't know how possible that is for a lot of schools, but my mom is a teacher and just went through training to do her like teaching at home via video conferencing. So it just gave me the idea of if that's of interest to anyone, we're happy to help and, you know, maybe take some some onus off of teachers to give them a little bit of a break. So definitely get in touch with that. Okay. Okay. So we have next question. And this one is the one that makes Peter's blood boil and has for like the last couple months. Well, I'll try and be reasonable and point people in the right direction here but okay so the question is what do you think about the game changers documentary so i'll preface this with anyone who hasn't heard of game changers um, i don't know what rock you've been living under apparently um, but it's a documentary on netflix it's by james cameron who uh, produced titanic 
and it's all about how vegan athletes are the fastest athletes best athletes strongest athletes yeah whatever the vegan diet is the best for performance i think is the essential like platform that it's built on yeah so peter take it away so like nutrition's always going to be very charged because everyone eats and everyone's got their opinion right so um i am not a nutritionist um, and certainly my bias is more towards sort of, we might call this like a, a paleo-esque, like whole foods type diet. Um, I have, you know, I, I wouldn't say I exclude any major food groups necessarily, um, but it certainly includes meat. Um, so, I mean, that is definitely my own personal bias. But again, what I'll try and do here is just link to a few things that maybe I think are short and sort of concise on why just being careful with one documentary shifting your view. I think Molly pointed out one of the biggest things is just like James Cameron is a very good filmmaker, so it's a compelling movie. Um, the the issue, and I'll link to the IOC, like the Olympic Committee, which they do, a, they have a great YouTube channel that has uh, some really good experts in fields just talking like, and they're usually pretty short and to the point, but like, what do you think of this? Or like, is it possible to be an athlete on a, a vegetarian diet? And then they'll like talk about that or like how much protein do you need? So they have a bunch of videos. So I'll link to the one for, they have one on game changers and then one on pseudoscience. Um, both of which are important for this concept. Uh, but the the idea with Game Changer is that like it only presents the one side of the argument. And so pseudoscience often doesn't give you the arguments for both sides, right? And there's certainly arguments for both sides. Uh, and it, it's never a clear-cut issue, right? Uh, well, and I, I think the other kind of important thing I wanted to say before you, you do a deeper dive here is, you know, at no point are we talking about the ethics or morality of the vegan diet? Like right. if you're a vegan for ethical reasons, that's sure a hundred percent totally understand. That's, that's a just different argument that isn't what this question is. Right. And that was sort of the concern is that we always have to look at why and who. So certainly there's ethical concerns, there's environmental concerns, there's, performance right and we just need to be careful like why are we making the decision and and someone might make a decision because they think it's like sort of the best solution to all of these and it fits with you know they prefer eating that way it's worked for them as far as energy and um, you know how you look feel and perform right like it sort of always comes down to that at some point right and, and certainly there's athletes that have made it work but there's also athletes on the other side that have made it work right um so yeah, so I'll link to that. I think the IOC thing I've seen is the one of the best. There was certainly all the Joe Rogan. What does the IOC say though? Just that it's not it's not supported by the evidence, and it only presents like one side of a of the argument, right? So it's again, I'll let it stand for itself. It's about a ninety second clip, but I think we just need to be careful, right? And again, we know that James Cameron makes great movies. He does have some investment in like vegan protein. Uh, as far as I understand. So we just need to be careful that that one documentary isn't the thing that shifts your choices for better or worse, right? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe if you see that documentary and you're contemplating it, one solution would be eat some more vegetables with every meal as your starting point. Right. Um, we, Gemma and I talk about this in the podcast with her a couple weeks ago. It's, it's worth remembering a lot of the time these sexy new diets 
present themselves and it seems really tempting to try them, but we're jumping into them without ever having worked on the basics of, you know, eating a good amount of vegetables with most meals and hydrating properly. Well, and making and, your own meals, right? Yeah, exactly. Like not eating a ton of super processed foods. And, you know, for me, when I was a vegan for, you know, seven years, I ate like absolute crap. So uh, a vegan diet is not necessarily a healthy diet. <laughs> right. And it can be done in a variety of ways. Right. And so... We know, you know, as we start excluding foods, then it starts getting tougher to get all the nutrients, right? You want to have a variety of things. This includes protein. Um, it includes vegetables, right? So often what happens in studies is that you compare a vegetarian or vegan diet to, you know, a standard American diet. So the contention is that, you know, again, for lack of a better phrase, sort of a paleo, you know, really good sourced meats with a lot of vegetables. So you could call that like vegetarian plus meat or something like that, right? Where like your ideal vegetarian diet, you know, super healthy. And then we add a good source of meat, not to excess, but enough that we're again, getting things like protein and choline and uh, choline, is that what I meant? Yeah, like from eggs. Is that what that yep. is? Yeah. I think actually when uh, when Gemma was Gemma came to our women's gravel camp and made dinner, and one of the things she said is if someone asks her how she eats, she eats, she says mostly plant based, and it's not that she doesn't eat meat. Right. It's that her diet is plant based. Right. Yeah, and that's that's a tricky bit, right? So someone might elect to minimize, and we've certainly tried to, you know, we we have local beef that's, you know, grass-fed and, you know, very, like, open air, you know, I, you know, they're, they're, it's a fairly ethical and low carbon cost because it doesn't travel anywhere. The farmer doesn't use, he rides horses. He doesn't have like any tractors, you know, there's not a lot of inputs. It's very like the soil is being rebuilt and there's sort of that sustainable agriculture built into it. Right. And this is certainly a concern when we look at things like carbon cost is how is the soil being replenished and the cows are part of that process to try and keep building that soil up and sort of have that going so that we can plant crops and keep pulling crops out of the ground, right? So there's all these things that are way beyond my pay grade for talking about, but we it's just like to find that solution both for your own personal health, your performance, and then also for that soil uh, to continue being built up versus we end up with like um, deserts basically as the topsoil um, that we grow food in is, is lost, right? If we don't put nutrients back into the ground, it gets very difficult, right? So there's, there's all these factors. It gets very, very convoluted and, and complicated and we're all just trying to do the best we can, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a documentary, I guess, to try and sum this up is it's a documentary that's probably worth watching whichever way your bias goes. But I think you just want to be careful that you do look at the different sides of the equation and, and sort of what works for you and what your your goals are right and what makes you feel the best if you want to try it try it for sure but treat it more as an experiment right um you know how do you feel what is the difference you know do you notice any difference in your your performance or your skin or anything like that uh, but i think just being careful that we're not excluding foods um, whole foods, especially, right? Like in junk food, whatever. Like, I don't think there's any requirement for that in our, our diets, but yeah. So awesome. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I think that was my main points is just make sure that we look at everything, excluding foods and then why and who, like, what is your goal and, and who are you, right? If there's some sort of like 
allergy or disease state, then we might adjust that. If we're trying to lose weight versus performance, there might be that, you know, if we're getting older and trying to sort of live as long as we can, there might be different goals and strategies we use in that respect. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Next question. And I really enjoyed this. Um, so this woman is new to cycling and asked about how to fuel for a 50 mile ride. Um, so I thought this question was super interesting because when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is going to take two seconds to answer. This is really simple. Um, and then I, I thought about it for another 10 seconds and realized, actually, this is such a multifaceted question. Right. Um, and I mean, I wrote the whole, I wrote Fuel Your Ride about cycling nutrition. And, you know, I always say like a lot of cycling nutrition isn't really what you eat on the ride. But, you know, in this case, it's actually pretty pertinent for a new cyclist because I think when you're, you're planning your ride food and stuff, um, a 50 mile ride can mean so many things, you know, for some people, you know, super speedy people, a five or a 50 mile ride could be a couple hours outside. Sure. And I mean, on the road, it could be, I mean, elite road guys could probably go almost like two hours, two hours and change if there was a group. For yeah, sure, right? Exactly. And do that on, you know, a bottle maybe. Like and or possibly even without and Yeah, okay. and I mean it would depend what your goal is in that sense too. But yeah, it wouldn't, you know, on four or five gels, right? For that that sort of strategy, right? Yeah. If, if, if we were going that close. And now the work capacity gets pretty high. So you might let's say six six maybe, right? So we're it's not a huge Unless it's downhill. I guess true. We could could add that caveat if it was a downhill fifty miler uh, on the road. But yeah. again, a mountain bike. Even if we go something like Whiskey Fifty is a fifty miler, and it's actually fairly like they're. I think they've maybe gone under three hours for, which is crazy, right? But there's a lot of finishers that go like eight hours on that. Yeah, the rule of thumb I usually use is like twice. So your fastest person's usually twice as fast as the slowest person, and there's exceptions for sure. But typically, that's what you see. So I don't. I'm trying to remember with whiskey fifty. There might be people that are longer than. I mean, than whiskey fifty is also not like technical trail the entire time. So let's also just say like a super single tracky fifty miles could very easily be a yeah seven or eight hour day. Yeah, I just, in that case, I think the rule of, of double then may still apply, which is not super relevant, but I think then you'd have people like certainly up in the like 12 to 14 hours in that case, right? Yeah. So basically, I think my first thought is when I think about fueling for cycling, it's not necessarily about the distance, it's about the projected time. Um, and it might be hard to figure out what your projected time is going to be. Um, but I mean, you can, if you're training for a 50 mile ride, and you've done any kind of cycling, you can generally like look at your past rides and get an idea of your rough speed in, you know, different conditions and then sort of project, okay, this 50 mile ride is, you know, 2000 meters of climbing and it's on the road. So it's maybe going to take me four hours based on past rides and, you know, what I know about the area. Okay, so now once you have the time, then you can actually start thinking about what you're going to be eating. Because right. when we talk about fueling for cycling, we don't really talk about calories per mile. We talk about calories per hour. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm trying to think, like your rule of thumb I always start with is sort of, I always deal in calories, but you could see it expressed as grams of uh, carbohydrate. 
which is probably more relevant for most people, but the I mean, calories sometimes make more calories sense. is a lot simpler. And here we're, we're, you know, it's the newer cyclist. So in general, you know, the pace isn't going to be super high. We're going to assume that this is going to be a, a longer day for them, both in terms of relevant to them, but also just time span. Um, so to me, it just sort of, you're looking at about 200 kilocalories an hour and in training, we're going to build up to that in the training process. Cause if you're going to go do a 50 miler, I assume you're not just going to like roll into a, a 50 miler ride. You're going to, you know, build up to that over a few months. Right. So this is a good chance to go out on your long ride on Sundays and practice, you know, 200 kilocalories. So that's one bar or, you know, a rice cake maybe, that you're going to make at home and you just try it right and see what happens make sure you're drinking water we run the rough rule of thumb of sort of around a small bottle a typical small cycling bottle per hour and you just see what happens right do you, or do you feel really hungry and like your energy's lagging or do you feel like oh i'm going to be sick and if you're going to be sick then we need to look at it was it too much food was it the type of food you didn't you know maybe you don't do well with solids or that much solids so we got to do a mix of sort of uh like a carbohydrate beverage or a gel combined with maybe a bit of solids did you have too much water or not enough water and so we move then from that 200 kilocalories rough uh sort of target right and grams per hour that would be like a 50 right yeah 50 grams yeah. per hour approximate yeah, I think the usual like rule of thumb is like 40 to 60 grams right, per hour. Right, right. And then I think the only other thing is that, you know, this might feel very excessive to do as a newer cyclist, but I am a huge fan of making notes about what you are eating and drinking on a ride and seeing how it makes you feel. Yep. Um, this information is super helpful. And, you know, it's stuff that you don't necessarily remember very well, well after your ride, like it's pretty easy to be like, oh yeah, I definitely drank enough when you're thinking about a ride last week, but but you actually in reality drank like a bottle in three hours. Right, and it might be something too, um, you know, I know some people struggle just with the digestive side of things. So, I mean, this is like sort of a, a quote unquote ideal recommended level of consumption. But if you're out doing, you know, right now you're doing one to two hours, do what you can take notes and then you might have to actually like train your gut a bit to get up towards even that that recommended guideline right um, I would be careful if you're one of those people that you're not training you know five and six hours you know and then not eating because now you're going to run into uh like what's the word I'm looking for fuel uh, availability energy availability type issue right and your your consistency and your recovery is going to be affected so if you are struggling with eating enough i would be surprised if you're not also struggling with energy and then in that case i would pull back training load and see if we can up the fueling and then gradually progress both of those together they're sort of tied together right and we don't often maybe think of them that way but if you eat more you can train more right yeah, seems very obvious when you say it like that, but it's yeah. a very simple, it's a very a easy common, thing to forget. Yeah, common issue, right, in both pros and, you know, age groupers and, you know, uh, development athletes. We're just finishing a camp here or a couple camps, right? We see that at all levels, this perception of we don't want to eat because we don't want to gain weight or we're trying to lose weight, so we're going to just not eat for training and then it's like well your training sucks and then there's this whole issue of you know energy availability where we have hormonal issues and bone health issues and i think for me it's the training just sucks and the consistency 
is not going to be good. And for most of us, consistency is everything. Yeah, I think this is the year that that finally clicked for me. Mm -hmm. Like this is the first time in years that I've not lost weight, but lost fat. Right. Like via, and I can tell, you know, via like actual like body measurements. And it's because I actually ate more in January and February in this past couple of weeks. On and off bike too. Yeah. On yeah. and off bike than I ever have. Mm -hmm. Like just. Do you think that's becoming, you know, not that. I'm going to disclose your age, but I don't know about being older. It's all right. I threw my age out. I as threw an my, older. I put my weight in a bicycling article recently. So there's okay. like nothing. It's all, that... it's all out there. Now, are you doing things like this because you're over 30 now? Oh, uh, I, I mean, I always say like the best, the best times for me for eating enough to fuel training is when I'm coaching camps because I'm so afraid of being bonked and being hangry with people mm -hmm. that I just make sure that I'm eating a ton. But do you think you're more um, aware of setting an example? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we were coaching a lot of young women all February. And one of the really important things for me was making sure that they all saw me eating on the rides and eating after the rides and eating, you know, breakfast and then second breakfast and filling my plate at dinner. And, you know, that was really important to me that they saw this example of someone who's, you know, not packing on weight during this camp, but is out eating them. <laughs> like, Yeah. And it, it makes not a lot of sense to a lot of us. Right. But it's, it's tricky because I think, especially as we get older, that's maybe more, more, more difficult to reconcile, right? If we, especially we have weight to lose and if we have weight to lose, then, you know, maybe things are slightly different, but I think there's, there's still those like good rules of thumb that if we're putting ourselves into like a really stressful, like starvation state, which is essentially what you're doing by depleting your body, we run this risk of overeating later in the day or on the weekends. Like at some point your body's going to try and like hold its, its homeostasis, right? It's steady state. So we just have to be careful that everything is like focused on a consistent diet, you know, gradually consistent weight loss, if that's the target. Um, so all that to say, we don't want to get too far aside here. I think the other issue on our note of fueling is linked to, the training is that pacing for these longer endurance things, um, rides or races is very important, right? And, and if we go out really, really hard, so we sprint from second one until we can't sprint, we would expect ourselves to fade and fade and fade until we're like a pile of mush on the side of the road, right? So in the same sense, our fueling is tied to that strategy. So if the people who are out really hard and like overpaced early in an endurance race, we all expect that they will not be there at the end of the endurance race, right? But you see that in stage races and mountain bikes, the start, you know, there's 20 people in the lead group. And then at the end, there's two people who were like pacing appropriately, but were fit, right? I think the funniest is like the mid pack and the marathon, right? Like there's always like the people who are around that, I'm going to say eight and a half minute mile pace half of them are going to go out super hard and then the other half are just going to pass them back at like mile 10. Right. And that's in those steady state endurance races where there's not a lot of, uh, the, the tactics are less important, especially in that mid pack. So your, your fondos, your marathon running, your, you know, whatever the things that there isn't as much as far as tactics and drafting and, you know, getting in before the single track and stuff like that. 
but really anything that's longer, there's just a reality that you can't overpace in that you can't burn matches. You can't, we could call that maybe be anaerobic or, or breathing really hard, right? Like I think if you think about like, what would your best 20 minute, everyone knows their 20 minute test or their 5k running race, you know, that type of perceived exertion, that breathing, that tension, that effort, you just can't do that for three, four five hours. And if you do that, then that's going to affect the fueling and that your fueling utilization, you're going to just be burning carbohydrate, you know, and you're going to burn through that really quickly and your body's going to have to slow down. So I think when we're thinking about training and fueling our races, we want to also think about practicing our pacing strategy so that we are disciplined. We do know what that feels like as much as what the heart rate is or the power is so that we can extend that energy over the whole day. Right. And it, it, you, if you've done a 50 mile ride that's a longer 50 mile ride or a hundred mile or certainly you've seen that like what it feels like in the first hour is very deceptive right and you have to start at like a very conservative you know five out of ten type pace especially if you're newer and just let that wattage heart rate be pretty stable because that same wattage heart rate will likely feel like agony in the closing, right? This is the, the marathon pace. Everyone is super stable, assuming they've paced relatively well. But if you've gone out like those last, what is it? The last like 20 to 23 miles, you know, the the last 23 miles of a marathon, the final two or three miles, I guess would be a better way. And I don't even need to remember what a marathon distance is. They're excruciating, right? But the pace the pace in this case, the running pace, the wattage is the exact same in the closing often. Rarely is there like a, a amazing acceleration. It's just you hold on to it and it is painful. Yeah. Right? So that's that's what we're trying to get to is this, you know, hold that pace at the end and have the fuel to hold on to it at yeah. the end. Yep. So. so practice. And I think tying back to our first question, we have a great time here where we can practice these skills, right? If that's a limiter and you can get out for longer rides, go out and practice, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. I think that's a good one to end on here. Um, so as usual, definitely hit us up with questions. Like we said, we're going to probably do a few bonus episodes in these next few weeks. So if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, have a, you know, someone we should have on the show, definitely let us know. You can find a contact form over at consummateathlete.com uh, or hit us up on the Twitter or Instagram at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford. And lastly, you know, while you maybe have an extra few minutes, Um, you know, since you're probably not out riding on the roads as you're listening to this, if you are at home, maybe take a second to rate and review this podcast over on iTunes. Uh, we've decided if we get over 300 reviews, we're getting a dog side note, we're totally getting a dog regardless, but I'm just going to say, if we can get up to 300 reviews, we're getting a dachshund. So if you want that to happen for me and you should, this is a bold target, please, please head over and rate and review the podcast. We will be forever grateful. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Everyone stay safe out there and we will see you next week.